0: Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I'm Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. We've been reading out of the Gospel of Luke for the last few weeks, but we move over to the Gospel of John today. And in John's Gospel, this is the the last... um, sort of story about Jesus before his uh, entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is one of the last things that he does and this is the beginning of chapter 12 and it's chapter 11 that Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead uh, and at the end of that story of Jesus raising Lazarus to the dead you also get some uh, the Pharisees and the uh, the religious leaders start to conspire against Jesus and talk about arresting him uh, maybe even killing him and so it's in that midst that this story takes place and so hear now and listen to how God is speaking to you through these words of John's gospel six days before the Passover Jesus came to Bethany the home of Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead there they gave a dinner for him Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. In the midst of violence... And in the midst of violent potential sits the scene of of almost touchable domestic tranquility and and love. What could be more homey than friends uh, at their home? Enjoying a meal together, especially after one of them has been raised from the dead. And yet outside the walls of this house is chaos. There is conspiracy against Jesus, uh, enough that Jesus has been uh, kind of in hiding, not out in the open places for a few days. Outside the walls is this violence, violent potential, but inside the house, inside the house, one can maybe picture the fireplace crackling. Loaves of bread that Martha uh, has cooking near the fireplace. Stew in the pot. Friends sharing drink and conversation around the table or probably more than likely uh, sitting on rugs, sitting on the floor uh, and sharing conversation and food and drink, laughing, talking story. And Lazarus perhaps is getting center stage as they're talking story here. To talk about being raised from death. He's kind of had the most extraordinary experience recently. I imagine they had a lot of questions for him. And I wonder if maybe Jesus was particularly eager and curious to hear about that process of dying and coming back to life. Since he is just days away from doing the same thing himself. Outside the walls are people who want to arrest Jesus, some who want to kill him. There's one, uh, the high priest Caiaphas, we read at the end of chapter 11, who maybe doesn't necessarily want to kill him, uh, but is talking about it, has made that determination that it's better to kill Jesus because he says that's going to keep Rome happy that will keep Rome from coming in uh, and hurting our country. It's going on at the same time. Inside the house, Mary breaks open this costly, costly jar of nard. This perfume, incense, uh, a food flavoring. had many uses, and it comes from the Himalayas. Very expensive, probably a year's wages in that jar and she breaks it open and pours it on jesus's feet anointing him it's a sacred act it's an act of consecration it's an act of saying uh, you are holy and then wiping his feet with her hair imagine wiping his feet with her hair that's such an intimate act about as intimate as two people can be. And and there's something uh, to it, I think, that is even more intimate than the coupling of lovers. This is an incredibly intimate moment, a moment that goes beyond eros, that kind of love. This is an act of agape love, of filial love, recognition of who Jesus is, and that friendship between Mary and Jesus. Intimate friendship. And to be willing, is the kind of love that leads Mary to be willing to, to waste, in a sense, to, to waste so much money in this ritual. It's not a casual act. It's not an act that one would expect. This is not an act that Mary is doing every time guests are in her house. It's a unique a unique event, a, a, a unique kenosis. It's this Greek word that shows up a few times in the New Testament. Kenosis, this self-emptying in love. To put so much love on someone else that you empty yourself uh, of who you are on them. This is a self-emptying of Mary, of the highest order of Christian understanding and Christian love. Mary gets Jesus' message of love. She understands what he's been talking about, she understands what he's, what he's doing. She gets his message of radical and generous love. And outside the walls are those who want to kill the man who is talking about love. And inside the walls of the house, the man who talks about love is being anointed by a, a woman with her tears and with her hair and a jar of costly perfume in an act of love. And I don't think that she's doing this for Jesus just because he's raised Lazarus from the dead. I don't think this is just her saying, thank you for raising Lazarus. I think even if Lazarus had not been raised from the dead, I think Mary would still be doing this. I think she would still anoint his feet in this way. And it was just a few days ago that Martha and Mary had summoned Jesus to come because Lazarus was sick. Come and help your friend Lazarus. We know that you can make him better. And Jesus dawdles. He hangs out for a few days where he is uh, before he comes uh, to see Lazarus. And by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus was dead. And the body had already decomposed enough that it was creating a stench. And so Jesus raised him from death back to life. Like the prodigal son that we read about last week who was dead but is now alive, except this is a literal death and a literal coming back to life. And people, hear, people heard the news of Lazarus coming back from dead. They heard the news that it was Jesus who had done this. I mean, how do you stop a word of such a miracle? From going around the community, especially as the text says, a lot of people had come out with Martha and Mary and Jesus to see what Jesus was going to do. So there were a lot of witnesses to this miracle of Lazarus coming out of the tomb. And word got spread around. But not all who spread the word, not all who spread the story, did so with a sense of joy or without a sense of conspiracy. Some went to the authorities, the religious authorities, Authorities, the chief priests and the Pharisees to complain about what had happened. And the chief priests and the Pharisees talked amongst one another and they asked, what should, we, what should we do? They said, this man, this man Jesus is doing many miracles, which one would think would be a good thing. If we let him continue, everyone will believe in him which we might also think would be a good thing. But to them, it was not because, as they said, if everyone believes in him, then the Romans will come and take away our temple and take away our nation. Stakes are pretty high. Stakes are pretty high here. And Caiaphas, the high priest, this is all taking place at the end of chapter 11. Caiaphas lays down the gauntlet and he says to them, you don't know anything. It is is far better for one man to die for the people than for a whole nation to be destroyed. He says we have to kill Jesus to preserve the nation, to keep Rome from getting angry at us. And so Jesus no longer traveled openly, and he went to Ephraim with his followers for a few days. And while he did that, the, the leading priests and the Pharisees are also now waiting in Jerusalem because Passover is coming soon, and they are pretty sure that Jesus is going to come to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, and they, and they want to arrest him when he shows up. And then Jesus goes to Bethany for this meal with his friends. Martha and Mary and Lazarus and the disciples. And there was another time that Jesus was with Martha and Mary back in the Gospel of of Luke. And in that story, Martha serves. Martha cleans. You may remember that's one where Martha gets upset at Mary for not helping out enough. uh, Because Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet learning from him. And in this one, Martha again is serving. And Mary again is at Jesus' feet. But this time, not to learn. She's there to anoint. She's there to act. To show that she understood who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And she understood what he was going to do in a few days. And so she anoints him as though for a burial. And imagine if we took the time to anoint our loved ones before they died. If we took the time to show them the love that they deserve before they died, while they're still with us. In contrast, Mary's act with Peter from some time before when Jesus asked Peter, who do people say that I am? And then Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Peter got that. He knew that. And then Jesus talked about his coming death, that he was going to have to die and be raised. And Peter says, no, you can't do that. And that's when Jesus calls Peter. He says, get away from me, Satan. Don't tempt me. Stand back. Don't try to thwart me from my mission. Jesus didn't want... or. Peter didn't want Jesus to do what he needed to do, but here Mary anoints him as in his funeral or burial rite. She knows his path, and she is preparing him for it. And the nard perfumes the whole house. We'd had with Lazarus the stench of death, and now the house is filled with this perfume of nard, removing the stench of Lazarus' death, even while announcing Jesus' coming death. And it removes the stench of violence. There is this moment of calm, of safety in the storm here in this home. And Mary comes up from this anointing with oil, with the nard also in her hair. She shares this with Jesus. His anointing becomes partly her anointing. She carries it with her. The fragrance of Jesus' anointing is stored in the memory of her hair. And this is a lot of perfume, so maybe that stayed with her long past Jesus' resurrection. And as they gathered in those days later on, you might say, do you remember Mary, do you remember that night when when we, when you and I and Jesus and Mary says, Yes, smell my hair. Remember that night. But Judas rebukes her. He rebukes her act as a waste that hurts the poor. It could have been sold, the money given to the poor. And then Jesus rebukes him. He says, Leave her alone. Leave her alone. She is right to do this, for today is my day to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. I think Jesus is saying, you will not have a chance to prepare my body later in the normal way, where you would prepare the dead body because it's not going to be there. My body is not going to be there when you want to anoint it in the proper way. This is no longer about anointing a dead body, but anointing the living. Not a ritual of the dead, but a ritual for life. And Mary knows that, so leave her alone. You can help the poor after I'm gone, and you must. Absolutely, you must help the poor, but until you can see me in them, Until you see them as me, your motivations may not be quite right. And Jesus is saying, in effect, that his way, his way transcends merely giving money to the poor. His way is to be first rooted in the transcendent, generous love like Mary is showing here. I think if, if these two chapters were to be put into a movie, or if I were to make a movie of these two chapters, I would, I would have over them a, a constant, like a heartbeat, sound of a heartbeat, or the sound of a war drum, something beating constantly with a sense of urgency, and a sense that something else is coming. Raising of Lazarus, and then the violent talk of the Pharisees and the priest with this beating and beating. And even in this scene of Mary's intimate love would still be overscored with this beating, of the urgency, of what is going to happen later. And then the next scene, after uh, the passage that we read, the next couple of verses, uh, talk about people coming to the house because they want to talk to Lazarus, they want to talk to Jesus. And we also hear then that the chief priests want to kill Lazarus as well because on his account, more people are believing in Jesus. And so the, the, the beating continues. And then right after that, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday with the hosannas and the prayers and the singing and all of the triumph. And then he reverses what Mary did. He gathers with his, with his disciples for a meal and he washes their feet with his robe. He washes his disciples' feet. He says, this is what love looks like. This is what it's about. This is my way. My way way of love. Beyond giving to the poor, it's about anointing and loving and being intimate with them, and with my people, and with one another. About anointing, loving, and being intimate in a way that perfumes us with the fragrance of love that overcomes all stench of evil, even as the threat of coming violence continues to beat in the background, amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, This is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.